and now turn to the Gospel of John. John chapter 13, we're going to read verses 34 and 35 here in just a moment. Well, I hope as I look out on this large crowd that I don't find anybody who forgot all about Valentine's Day. Surely, surely you remembered it, right, guys? That it was Valentine's, whether you got flowers or a card or took your spouse out to eat or, or whatever it might have been. I guess the, the best uh, thing I heard on Valentine's Day, you, you might have heard of it, was a guy in Arizona who actually broke out of prison so that he could take his girlfriend out to eat on Valentine's. Now, this guy's in love. He climbed a 12-foot fence, crossed over razor wire, cut up. He walked 10 miles to the Galloping Goose Saloon and Grill in order to have a Valentine's dinner with his girlfriend. They arrested him at the Galloping Goose and took him back. And so not only did it cost him, but uh, now they've added some years on to his sentence. But hey, he, he loved her enough to do everything he could to, to get there. Sort of reminded me of a, of a story of a guy a few years ago that uh, decided that uh, he would really uh, do something special uh, for his sweetheart on Valentine's Day, that he would give her a gift, but along with the gift, he would write her a poem. And maybe you've heard this old poem, but I thought we might look at it again today. Uh, he wrote it this way, uh, Collards is green, my dog's name is blue, and I'm so lucky to have a sweet thing like you. Your hair's like corn silk a-flapping in the breeze, softer than blues and without all them fleas. You move like the bass, which excite me in May. You ain't got no scales, but I love you anyway. You're as satisfying as okra, just a frying in the pan. You're as fragrant as snuff right out of the can. You have some of your teeth for which I'm proud. I hold my head high when we're in a crowd. On special occasions when you shave under your arms, well, I'm in hog heaven and awed by your charms. Still, them fellers at work, they all want to know what I did to deserve such a pretty young doe. Like a good roll of duct tape, you're there for your man to patch up life's problems and fix what you can. You're as cute as a June bug a-buzzing overhead. You ain't mean like those far ants I found in my bed. Cut from the best cloth like a plaid flannel shirt. You spark up my life more than a fresh load of dirt. When you hold me real tight like a padded gun rack, my life is complete, ain't nothing I lack. Your complexion, it's perfection, like the best vinyl siding. Despite all the years, your age, it keeps hiding. Me and you's like a moon pie with an RC cold drink. We go together like a skunk goes with stank. Some men, they buy chocolate for Valentine's Day. They get it at Walmart. It's romantic that way. Some men get roses on that special day from the cooler at Kroger. That's impressive, I say. Some men buy di fine diamonds from a flea market booth. Diamonds are forever, they explain, suave and couth. But for this man, honey, these won't do because you're too special, you sweet thing, you. I got you a gift without taste nor odor. More useful than diamonds, it's a new trolling motor. Now that guy <laughs> was a romantic. But you know, today as we, as we talk about love, and we, we, we have a, a holiday in, in which to celebrate love, we find that we use that word love in a, in a, in a lot of different ways, don't we? I mean, we, we love it from everything from I love fried chicken to I love my wife. It's, a, it's, the, same, it's the same word. 
If, if we look at Hollywood and we look at uh, movies and, and television shows, and you know, then, then love becomes nothing more than a, than a sexual thing, a, a physical act. And in fact, most of what the world calls love, the, the, the Bible calls lust. And, and yet we see that, uh, that love in, in, in the Word of God is, is very special. I saw a cartoon not too long ago, and in, in, in the first caption, it said, the, the, the man standing there, and he said, I love you with all my heart. The next frame says, I love you more than life itself. The next frame says, my love would move mountains and change the course of rivers for you. And then in the next frame, you see the girl, and she said, oh, could you come over and help me move on Saturday? And in the next frame shows him saying, I hate people when they take advantage. You know, in our world today, love is, is, is almost a selfish thing, isn't it, when you look at the world's kind of love. But when you look at God's kind of love, it's exactly the opposite. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about all the one another's in the Bible. In fact, over 50 times in the Bible, we, we see that little, those two little words, one another, and then there's a, there's a verb in front of it, like serve one another, pray for one another, care for one another, uh, admonish one another, challenge one another, bear one another's burdens. We see it over and over and over again in Scripture. But the one we see the most, the one that all the others are built on, are these words that we're going to look at today, where Jesus said over and over, love one another. Would you stand with me as we read these verses in John chapter 13? Verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You may be seated. Very short passage of Scripture, but yet we're going to find that this was the night before Jesus was going to be crucified. And so he tells his disciples twice there to love one another. And in just a little over another chapter, over in John chapter 15, in verses 12 and 17, he tells them the same thing again. He said, I give you a commandment that you love one another. Now, as, as, we, as we look at this, and, and we, if we were to take time and, and read 1 John, we see it over and over and over and over again that we're to love one another. If Jesus says something that many times, if the Word of God puts it in there and repeats itself that many times, we ought to take special care to look at it. Love one another. And as we look at God's kind of love, we find that love is not an emotion you feel. It's an action that you take. Let's, let's look at this God's kind of love. First of all, it is a love that is demanded. As we're, as we're learning and experiencing God, God doesn't give suggestions. He doesn't throw out a bunch of options and say, you choose whichever one you want. No, God speaks, and what He speaks, He speaks His will. And because God is love and because He loves us, His will is always best. His ways are always right. His words are always true. And so He tells us here, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another. Now, the word is not new in that it's been recently made. It's new that it's in a, it's in a different form. Remember already, Jesus had been approached by someone, and they asked him, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? Expecting him to, to have to choose from, from one of the ten. Instead, Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy 6, 5. He said, the greatest is this. You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
And then in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, on another occasion, he adds strength. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So he laid it out. We've got to love God. We've got to love our neighbor. But here, talking to his disciples, and in turn, 2,000 years later, talking to you and me as the church, Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. I want you to take it a step further. Not only should you love God, not only should you love your neighbor, but you ought to also love one another because you're part of a family. I don't know about you, but in my family, there, there's some that are easy to love. My three-year-old granddaughter, most perfect girl in all the world, she is easy to love. She loves Papa. Papa loves her. That's easy. But there's others in my family, maybe extended family, they're a little difficult to love. I mean, you know, you're not just looking for the seat by them at the family reunion. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's some folks, it's a little harder to love than others. And it's the same in the body of Christ. It's the same in the family of God. There's some folks that it's just easy to love. I mean, because they're loving you. They're smiling. They're giving. They're doing all those things. But there are others in the body of Christ that sometimes they're not that easy to love. But guess what? We're commanded. We're demanded to love them anyway. Now, and not only are we demanded and commanded to love them, but, but the, the Scripture is very plain. It's the, the type of love that, that we should show. You see, in our English, we got one word for love, and that's everything from I love football to I love my spouse. But in the New Testament, they were much more specific. They had at least four words in the Greek language for love. You, you had storge, which was, uh, which was uh, like a family love, brother and sister type love. You had uh, eros, which was uh, the uh, romantic love, physical relations, husband and wife. That word's never used in the New Testament, by the way. You had Filio, which we get our word Philadelphia, that's like affection, uh, friendship kind of love, sometimes called brotherly love. But then you had a word in the New Testament that's hardly ever used anywhere else in Greek literature. But it's the one word that's used just about every time in the New Testament, and it is the word agape, which is a God kind of love. It's a kind of love that, that, that only God can give, and it's a kind of love that only we can give because we have God living within us. And it's this kind of love that, that Jesus said that we're to love one another with. That agape, that divine, that, that God kind of love, that's what he demands. But not only is that agape love, not only is it a love that's demanded, but it is a love that is demonstrated. Jesus said, I want you to love one another. So the first question was, well, well, how do we do that? He said, it's easy, as I have loved you. In the same way that I've loved you, that's the way I want you to love one another. You see, aren't you glad that Jesus didn't tell us to do a lot of stuff? He showed us how to do stuff, didn't he? He showed, love is something that, that has to be demonstrated. It's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to demonstrate. You see, when we love God, our actions will show it. Hey, we learned a verse this week in experiencing God, didn't we? The, the verse that said, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me, and he who loves me is loved by my Father, and I too love him and will make myself known to him. You see, the proof that we love God is in our actions. 
The proof that we love God is not what we say with our mouth, but what we do in our lives. It's a love that's demonstrated. A little boy one day come running to his dad and jumped up in his lap and put his arms around him and, and squeezed really, really hard. And his dad hugged him back and he said, My son, what was that for? And he said, Oh, I love you, Daddy, and I just had to do something about it. You see, when we love God, we, we ought to also love one another. And when we love one another, we ought, to, we ought to do something about it. We all know John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a great verse, but 1 John 3, 16 is another great verse. Scripture says, We know love by this, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Think about it. If we're going to love one another in the same way Jesus loves us, then we've got to be willing to die for one another, right? As I think about that, I'm thinking, now there's some folks I would die for. But as I look at some of you, I'm thinking, Lord, please don't ever put me to that test. Don't ever make me have to prove that. But that's exactly what Jesus said. He said, I want you to love one another in the same way that I love you, and I lay down my life for you. And therefore, we ought to be willing to lay down our life for the brethren. It's a love that is demonstrated. Jesus went all the way for us. It's a love that's demonstrated. But you say, well, okay, well, I, I know it's demanded, and I know Jesus set the example, but what is this agape kind of love? Well, it's a love that's defined. Let's take just a moment to, to look. We don't have time to look at all the scriptures today as we, as we look through the Word of God and, and, and find how this agape, this God kind of love, this Christian love that we have for one another, to see all of those things. But I'm going to share a few things with us today. First of all, God's kind of love, it's an unconditional love. It's a love that says, I love you no matter what. You see, the world's love says, I will love you if you do this. I will love you if you love me back. I will love you if you meet this standard. I will love you as long as you're nice to me. I will love you if. Sort of a selfish kind of thing, right? <laughs> I will love you if I'm getting something out of it. I will love you if it meets my needs. I will love you if, as long as it's good for me. But God's kind of love is unconditional. God's kind of love says, I will love you. And that's it. No conditions. No strings attached. It's an unconditional love. Aren't you glad that God loved you unconditionally? Because if he hadn't, none of us would have had a chance because the Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Scripture says that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John tells us that we know love, not that we first loved him, but because he first loved us and gave himself for us. He took the initiative and in, in given us unconditional love. And so we got to love one another unconditionally. Okay? Hey, if you walk out of here and say, that's the worst sermon I've ever heard, i got to love you anyway. You're rude to me on the way out, i got to love you anyway. I don't have any option. You don't have any choice. We're in this together. we got to love one another. It's unconditional. But not only is it unconditional, but because it's unconditional, it's unselfish. 
See, being unselfish means we, as we looked on the video earlier, it means putting other people's needs ahead of ours. You see, a lot of people bring their selfishness, and they try to bring it right on into the church. They try to bring it right on into their Christian walk, and it's all about me and, and what I'm getting and my needs and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. But God's kind of love is a, an unselfish love. That's why he said you ought to esteem each other more highly than yourself. You ought to serve one another. You ought to wash one another's feet. You ought to put each other ahead. Because, see, it's only when we, as Jesus taught, it's only when we give ourselves away that the real, we really find ourselves, right? It's an unselfish love. But not only is it an unselfish love, but, but it's an undeniable love. Because it's a love that is demonstrated, it's expressed in deeds. 1 John. In fact, if you haven't read the little letter of 1 John, we're, we're finishing up in our Sunday school small groups next Sunday, a six-month study of the Gospel of John. If you haven't read 1 John in a while, just a small book, hey, I'd encourage you to read it. You'll see love over and over and over and over and over again. But 1 John 3.18 says, Let us not love in word and tongue, but in deed and truth. It's undeniable because it's something that is shown. It's not so much what's going on inside of you, it's what's going on outside of you. It's not just a, a feeling that you feel. It's not just an emotion that you have. It's not just a good thought. It's something that is always demonstrated. It's undeniable. But in the body of Christ, as, as we get together, that God kind of love, it's also unrestrained. You know, <clears throat> there were a group of people in Jesus' day, a group of philosophers, they were known as Stoics. And, and their uh, way of life was not to show any emotion. Not to get involved in people's lives. Not to show any emotion. Not, you know, that way they were never hurt. They never, you know, never had to, never got excited, never got sad. They were just sort of even all the time. They were Stoic. You know, in the body of Christ today, even as we sit here in this room, there are a lot of people that you've been hurt. Maybe it's by a parent, maybe it's by a child, maybe it's by a spouse or an ex-spouse, and you've been hurt deeply, maybe physically, especially emotionally, and so you've, you've decided as, as, a, as, a, as a person that, hey, I'm never going to open myself up to anybody again, that way I'll never be hurt. I'm not going to reach out to anybody because I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be friends with anybody because I don't want to be betrayed or stabbed in the back. And so we come in the body of Christ and, and, and God said, I want you to love one another, but we want to allow ourselves to be loved. That's not what God tells us to do. You know, we, we can't come to church at Indian Springs and get here 20 minutes late and leave 10 minutes early and say, wow, that's an unfriendly church. No one said a word to me. Preacher was preaching when I got there, still preaching when I left, but nobody said anything to me. In the body of Christ, we we gotta we gotta love and also be loved. It's it's unrestrained. You see, if we're not careful, we we can go through life just sort of hiding behind masks, can't we? You know that's what the word hypocrite means in the New Testament. One who hides behind a mask. You see, we can come here on Sunday morning and we can smile and hug and shake hands and say, whoa, everything's going great, wonderful, good to have you here, warm handshake, a big smile, and everybody go home. 
But on the inside, we know we're hurting. And there are a lot of people who'd love to pray for you and minister to you, but hey, you got to love and you got to be loved. It's, it's unrestrained. We, we got to allow ourselves to be loved. It's easy to go through life just sort of on the surface, isn't it? Someone wrote a little poem. I like to read it. It said, Today I met a man, but not really. Rather, our paths crossed, the private paths of our own separate worlds made a juncture, and we were there. We told our impersonal names and shook each other's hand, warmly and friendly to convey our interest, which wasn't there. We shared our views on the weather, of politics, the latest news, and other foreign things, which were not there. And when the conversation lagged, we said, well, glad to have met you. Same here. And we lied, smiled, extended our hands again, and parted. Glad to be on our separate ways from our little meeting. Today I met a man, but not really. We do that in life, don't we? But we ought not do that in the body of Christ. In fact, I would encourage you as a believer to set a goal that every week. See, church is not something we come to. Church is who we are. And I would encourage you to set a goal every week. Find somebody you don't know and just talk to them a little bit. You know, let's just don't come sit in the same seat by the same people we've been sitting by for 20 years. We already know them. Sometimes we know them too well, right? Find somebody you don't know. Reach out to them. Let them know you love them. It's unrestrained. You see, when it's unrestrained, it's got to be sacrificial. We, we, go the, we go the extra mile because greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And then finally, as we define love, it's, it's unending. Well, when we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the, the love chapter that Brother Tom preached on a few months ago, love, love never gives up. Love never quits. Love never ends. Aren't you glad that God always loves us? Even when we mess up. Even when we make mistakes. Even when we're, we're less than what we ought to be. He still loves us. Little boy, he got in trouble and he had to stay in his room until his daddy got home from work. He was feeling really bad, very remorseful about it. And his dad came up the stairs and went into his room. He said, your mom told me what you did. And he said, Daddy, do you still love me? And he said, Son, I'll always love you. Sometimes I'll love you with a sad heart. Sometimes I'll love you with a glad heart. But I'll always love you. Aren't you glad that our Heavenly Father loves us that way? When we're walking in His will, He loves us. And when we stray outside of His will, He loves us. There's nothing I can do to make God love me more. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. But if that is God's kind of love, that's the same kind of love i got to show to my brothers and sisters in Christ. The Scripture says nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing should separate us from our love for one another. We ought to have a love that goes the distance. We use that in sports a lot of a baseball pitcher that's able to pitch the whole game. We'll say he went the distance. God's love went the distance all the way to the cross. 
and our love for one another should go the distance all the way until he calls us home to be with him in heaven. It's an unending love. Well, finally, this God kind of love, not only is it demanded, not only is it demonstrated, not, not only is it defined, but, but it is a love that is distinctive. It's a distinctive kind of love. No, notice, notice what Jesus said there in, in, in verse 35. He said, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, our, our love for each other, that's the distinguishing mark. Notice he didn't say, they'll know you are my disciples because you know a lot about the Bible. They'll know you're my disciples because you're a good person. They'll know you're my disciples because you never miss a church service. He doesn't say that, does he? He said, they will know you're my disciples because you love one another. They'll know you're my disciples because of, of the same love that I've given to you. You've been able to share that with other people. You see, the, the love is not turned inside, but a love that's turned outside. In the second century, after all of the, the, the first century disciples had passed on, the church just kept growing. One of the early church writers by the name of Tertullian, he, he wrote uh, a uh, saying of what the outside people were saying about the church. This was their idea of the church. He said, see how they love one another. See how they are ready even to die for one another. Wow. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that was the idea that the outside world had of the church in the 21st century? My, how they love one another. How they're willing even to die for one another. You know the scripture says in the body of Christ, when one member hurts, we ought to all hurt. When one member's having difficulties, we ought to all share part of that. I was visiting with someone in the hospital Friday afternoon, and he was talking. He just had surgery. He said, I've never hurt like this in my life. And I said, well, you know, the Bible says we're to bear one another's burdens. It'd be interesting if God would allow us to some, you know, take a little bit of one another's pain. I said, I don't want to take all of it, mind you, just my little share, just my little part. But wouldn't that be wonderful? But you know, in the body of Christ, that's the way it should be. If one of our members are dealing with grief, we all ought to be grieving. We all ought to be comforting. We all ought to be encouraging. If one of our members are having problems in their, in their family, we, we all ought to be sharing in that and praying and encouraging. If somebody who comes, if all of a sudden they just don't come anymore, we ought not to be sitting there thinking, well, I wonder whatever happened to them. Love says we go find them. We hunt them up. We help them up. You know, they, they predict that 85% of people who are out there who don't go to church, and by the way, 60% of Saline County are not affiliated with any church of any kind. There's 100,000 people in Saline County, roughly. 60,000 people in this county are not affiliated with a church of any kind. 85% of them have been in church at some time in their life. Maybe they got hurt in the church. For whatever reason, they quit going. But love says we'll go hunt them up. 
Didn't Jesus tell a parable and said, even if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes missing, he'll leave the 99 and he'll go after the one and find him and bring him back on his shoulders rejoicing. God's kind of love says we go hunt people. Hey, I guarantee you, if one of your kids just didn't show up tonight, you wouldn't just say, well, hey, they'll be back sooner or later maybe. They don't. God's blessing on them. You'd be hunting them. You'd be calling the police. Now, some days I'd probably let them go, but most days I'd call the cops. Same in the body of Christ. We're family. We love one another. We have a responsibility for each other. It's a love that's distinctive. There was a few years ago a young man who had just become a Christian and he was wanting to grow in his relationship with the Lord and he wanted to do right in everything that he did. And, but he, he began to be attracted to a young lady. And uh, it was evident she was sort of attracted to him, but he didn't know if it was proper to make the first move or, or what to do. And so he went and talked to a buddy of his. And he asked his buddy, he said, you know, I, I really like this girl, but, you know, I, I, she's a Christian and I'm a Christian and, and I don't want to do anything too forward or unbecoming. I, I want to do what's right. And so his buddy said, well, hey, it's simple. This is what you do. Next Sunday night after church, you just ask her if you can walk her home. And if she says yes, when you get about half mile down the road under that big oak tree, y'all just stop, look up at the moon, talk about what a beautiful night is, and then you kiss her right there. So the guy could hardly wait for Sunday night. He asked the girl if he could walk her home, and she said yes. And they walked the half mile and, and they got under the oak tree and he looked up at the moon and he wanted to be real spiritual. And so he looked up and he began to pray. And he prayed, Father, Father up above, shall I kiss the one I love? Well, he didn't know that his buddy, to see what was going on, had snuck out there before and he had climbed up in the oak tree. And so when he looked up and prayed that prayer, his buddy answered his prayer from above, Sinner, sinner, down below, pucker up and let her go. As Christians, in the body of Christ, as we reach out to this world, we need to pucker up and let her go. Why do we want to be selfish with God's love? Why do we want to be selfish with something that there's, there's plenty for everybody? little girl in a Pennsylvania orphanage, she was eight years old. She had been born with severe birth defects that left her physically deformed and horribly unattractive. In fact, the sight of her was so bad that her own parents actually left her in the hospital. And she wound up in an orphanage. And even though she'd been there eight years, even the other kids shunned her. So basically, she just lived her life in a, in a, in a relative uh, isolation. And one day when they were out on the playground playing, the teacher saw her write something on a piece of paper and fold it up and throw it over the fence. Well, after the kids went in from recess, the teacher went around the other side of the fence and picked up the piece of paper. She opened it up, and this is what the little girl wrote. 
to whoever finds this note, I love you. You see, God has placed in every one of us the need to be loved and the need to love. And our first opportunity is right here in the body of Christ, as the Scripture says, you're to love one another. It's ridiculous to think about we would love a lost world if we won't love one another. It's ridiculous to think that we would take the love of Christ out there if we don't exercise the love of Christ in here. You see, love's not something you fall into. Love is an action that you show. It's something that we share because God has first loved us. You see, church, we got to pucker up and let her go. Even when we're sick, even when we're tired, even when we're busy, we got to love one another. I want you to bow your head just for a moment. Their team is coming back to lead us in worship. Could it be that right now God has already put somebody on your heart, on your mind? That you know you just need to reach out to and love. 